1: You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
0: And now we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addisons.
1: On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today on uh, this wonderful Monday. We Mm -hmm. appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll try to get some of your calls in um, at the end. Of the program in the Mm -hmm. third segment there. And uh, just to get you to chime in on uh, the topic of discussion today, we're asking the question, who are we? Who Mm. are we? Um, we? What is our chief first and foremost identity? And is there a way that that can be perceived by other people? Like, can we live, can we really live in such a way um, that who we are, our first and foremost identity is obvious that it is revealed to people who would be considered, I guess, onlookers, or you know, I don't know, maybe active participants in our lives. You know, who are we? That's the question that we're asking today, and I've been exploring it, and I've, you know, I've, I've talked about this whole idea of, um, in the past, I've talked about this whole idea of perspectiveism, right? Mm-hmm. Perspectiveism, where it's sometimes um, having a perspective can be um, a benefit right like you you say oh, man I can understand a person's perspective um, you know you're, you're kind of able to empathize and then there are other times where because we only have our perspective uh, we can't see shortcomings
3: hmm. right we can't yeah. see where
1: we miss it yeah. and so it's at that point where I think perspectiveism is a bad thing it's a bad thing. I don't think perspective is bad in and of itself you know, but I think when we have our own perspective and we are only able to see things um, through our own lens, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you are not able to uh, bear with one another. You're not able to empathize. You're not able to operate as a believer. Really, these are the types of things that believers are called to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, honestly, I think really puts them squarely in the category of like the work of the spirit. Like we need him to be able to do these things, you know, mm-hmm. bear with each other, mm-hmm. forgive one another's mm-hmm. grievances, all of these things that we are compelled to do as believers, um, which we cannot do on our own. And even when we see displays of this in people who have not been regenerated, who have not come to Christ, um, it's like, whoa, they, they actually forgave. And, and, and usually for many of us, I mean, myself included, when you see these kinds of public displays, your first question is like, are they Christian? Because, you know, that in and of yourself, like some of these things, it's like you just can't do it. You just can't (laughs) do it. So anyway, that's the question we're asking today. Um, Who are we? We're going to be talking about and having a conversation around um, two different displays. And and I want to I want to juxtapose these displays. I want to hold them up against one another. And then I want to I want to ask the question, you know, when we look at these displays, is there one display that points to Christ, or and, and, and is there one display that does not? Okay, <laughs> all right. And then, <clears throat> and then we'll open the phone lines, and then we'll see <laughs> what people... And the only reason I take that big gulp and you know acknowledge that we'll open the phone lines mm-hmm. is because one of the pictures that we will hold up, um, the mental pictures, you know, yeah. we'll cover two stories, but one of the pictures that we will hold up uh, deals with the Confederacy. And this Mm. seems to be a very hot topic among some Christians. It is just, it is, I have noticed that whenever, (laughs) it's like, it's like, like, are you looking at my brother? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you, when you, when you, when you mention that, there are some Christians who are like, shut it down. Don't touch that. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about that. Well, you know. I've never been one of those people like that is just like there's something that we can't talk about. Yeah. I mean, unless Will says me, don't talk about that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I take that into consideration. Early on in our marriage, we did have conversations. We were going to visit. It's like, OK, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Are you, are you OK? And then even sometimes now you, we'll walk away. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you brought that I'm up. I'm surprised Miki. you said that. <laughs> <laughs> But a so lot of times I mean, that's you know,
2: because I thought you wouldn't be f- um, comfortable. Yeah, cuz I saying. tend to be a
1: little more of a private person. <laughs> it's only it's only with dear friends where I, you know, I get going, maybe let my guard yeah. down a little bit. Um but we're going to hold up two pictures. We're going to okay. use two stories here that I I think these stories are very similar in opposite ways, honestly, and I think it's mm. really really neat. <laughs> Neat's probably not the word that either participant would use uh the features <laughs> in these stories. But I think it's neat that both of these stories have happened kind of close together so that we could really juxtapose them. We could really put them against uh, one another and say, um, what is the distinction that's being made here? What is the picture that's being painted here? And, but before we do that, before we do that, yeah. I think that to set both of these stories, um, you know, against each other or to compare these stories, I want to put them both in the frame of the scriptures. How about that? So we're going to do two different paintings, sort of. And then we're going to put them in the frame of scripture. We're going to put them, filter them through the scriptures. This is the only way I know how to live. This is Mm. the only way. And and let me tell you something. Because I've trained myself to live this way. Mm -hmm. I've trained myself. I've trained myself that the first question I ask about anything that presses in the culture, the first question I ask is, Man, what does the Bible say about that? Like, I'm like, yeah. you know, Lord, have you, are, have you spoken to that? Is there, do we have anything that is a precedent, that is a command, that is something that we should avoid, that kind of speaks to what we're dealing with in the culture? And I have got to tell you that in all of my training myself for godliness, I have not encountered anything that this culture can throw out at us that the Bible does not speak to that we don't have a point of reference for. Amen. You, we could turn it into a game show, stump the Bible, you know. But you, you, you're not going to be like Jennings. You're going to lose. You're going right. to go home empty handed. <laughs> right, like right. it's not, you know, it's not going to happen. So, so here's what I was thinking about um, over the weekend. I'm just kind of mulling this over. Found myself in you know late hours of the night just thinking about this, and so just jotting some things down and, and looking at the scriptures and, and asking the Lord to help you know, help me understand mm-hmm. how to encourage our listeners because that's, that's the way we do radio, right? Is we filter, um, what is happening in the culture through a biblical lens. That's, we call it a biblical worldview, but I've, I've shied away from that recently because I understand that people use that and they don't know what that means. It just sounds good to say, I have a biblical worldview, right? Um, and so now I try to, I feel like I hope, <laughs> um, Literally describe what we're doing Mm -hmm. that we are holding the word of God up as the straight edge, and we are lining ourselves up against that. And so, where there are things that are crooked, where there are things that are off, that don't fit, we've got to tuck ourselves back toward the word of God to get in line with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so this is going to frame every way that we see the world not just that we think the Bible has good ideas, yeah, but that we employ. what the Bible directs us to employ. It's okay. that what you read in scripture has to go out with you into the culture. All right. Amen. Cause a lot of people say I have a biblical worldview, which means that they think the Bible is great. They like the Bible, mm-hmm. but the biblical worldview falls short when it comes to application. And so that's what we want to do. We want to move toward like um, application. <laughs> yes. Um, and not so much just, you know, affection. I have a strong affinity for the word of God, Mm -hmm. then apply it, (laughs) (laughs) then live by it, then 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 put your full weight down on it. You know, so so I was looking at um, Peter's first letter and one of the things that struck me about um, Peter's letter. And I've I've said this before. So some of this will be like recap and then we'll just kind of unpack and we're going to take our time in the second segment. We'll get to these two stories. We'll hold them up against each other, having framed them now in, you know, in, in the word of God um or ha- having created a frame by the word of God for them to fit into. Okay, so so I was looking at Peter's first letter. And I have said before that when we as apologists or those are people who are ready to give a defense for the reason for the hope that they they have in them, right? Ready ready to say why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. Um 1 Peter 3:15, we often get there and a lot of our famous Christian apologists um, have touted this as sort of like their anchor verse. This is the verse they always go back to. Yeah. And so a lot of us have as Christians, we've picked up on this verse and we're like, man, yeah, this is why I want to be able to tell people, you know, uh, the, about the six days of creation, you know, just all kinds of different ways that we use that. Right. But one of the things I have found to be glaring in Peter's letter <laughs> leading up to 1 Peter chapter 3.15 that I, I have found people overlooking is that there is a call to otherness, In the culture that precedes this defense that you're going to give. Mm. And I'm like, guys, it's very clear that Peter now is instructing that we live so Mm otherworldly, that we live so differently, that it provokes the question, why? Why? Because, see, now, because if you're giving a reason for why you live a certain way, that means that someone has inquired. Yeah, and yeah. if you're given a reason for why you live that way, that means what precedes that is the that way. Mm-hmm. There is a way that you're living that is, we call it today, countercultural. You're going against the grain of culture. And, and Peter does this in his first letter. He, like, takes all of these institutions, some of them that make us uncomfortable, slaves and masters, but it's in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not nervous about the word of God. Like, we can trust God with his word, right? So Peter goes through all these different institutions, and if you read it closely, if you, let me go a step further, if you study it, what you find Peter doing is taking all of these institutions, and remember, you've got one seamless thought. You've got one seamless communication of something that is central to our faith. And and it is communicated by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter. We have to remember when we study Scripture, these men leave no question as to whether or not they knew they were writing Scripture. They knew they were writing Scripture. They knew they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's not it's not even a question. Right. So what the question has to be, what then is the Holy Spirit communicating to the people of God? Well, when you look at first Peter and and all of this will make sense when you look at first Peter, Chapter one, verses three through seven. One of the first things that Peter opens up with after he gives the greeting and, you know, and and the encouragement and all of that. So the, the opening of the letter, then he gets right into it. One of the things that he points out is that we have been born again. All right. So he almost immediately identifies this group of people as having been born again. Amen. And from this point on, Peter will continue by the spirit of God to weave into this letter. You're different. Mm. You're different. You're not of this world. You have been born again. So in first <laughs> Peter chapter one, and it's, and, man, and this is why, you know, you know, I mean, anyways. So the spirit of God wants us to know that we are not like the culture that we've been deposited into. All right. We're different people, okay? So you have you have 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to look at verses 3 through 7 and and Peter Peter writes this, um, blessed be the be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse six, he says he writes in this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, hmm, the tested genuineness of your faith. More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the very first thing that we get in Peter's letter, and remember, because these same passages that people are afraid to touch when Peter is dealing with these various institutions, all right, Mm -hmm. submitting to authority, slaves and their masters, husbands and wives, remember he has already set this up by saying, you are different. Amen. So the things that I'm about to prod and to to require that you adhere to are likewise different. And even as we jolt now, as we kind of bristle now, imagine what that was like for people living under Nero. Mm. It's like, whoa. whoa. But mm. remember, you're different. All right, we'll grab the break. We'll pick up with more Peter, and then we'll jump into these two cultural stories to help us understand how to live out who we say we are. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We do appreciate you listening every day as we talk about the issues and talk about what's happening Mm -hmm. in the culture and how we are compelled to respond to those issues based on the Word of God. Um, Speaking of the Word of God, it's Truth for Youth Bible Week.
2: Yes, uh, Revival Fires International is giving one free Truth for Youth Bible to every student between the ages of uh, 13 and 18 who, uh, who promised to pass it along to a friend this school year. So, if you want to participate in that there's there's two ways to get to get the free Bibles. Uh you can visit com. You can order online anytime. So that's com, or you can call 800-733-4737. That's uh 800-733-4737. This is something that we do uh every year and to help to get uh, Bibles into uh, public schools and uh, in the hands of, of young people. And we know how important the word of God is. So if you want to participate in that, we'll be talking about this all weekend. As a matter of fact, we're going to have, I believe, Tim, Tim Ty is going to be on with us this week That's uh, right. on Wednesday, I believe. And so uh, make sure that you participate in that. Again, go to uh, com to order online or call 800-733-4737.
1: All right. So getting back to the word of God, and again, just trying to frame the discussion here that we're going to go into understanding that um, there's going to be people who are going to be uncomfortable on both sides of this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, you know, that's okay. Um, So (laughs) uh, first Peter, chapter one, we're talking about who we are, what's our what's our chief first and foremost distinction um, as we live, wherever we live, whatever culture we've been deposited into uh, when we come to Christ is Christ worthy that he should get top billing and should on the forefront of our mind always be how we might glorify him, how we might live in such a way that people ask us why mm. in the midst of everyone doing this, did you decide to do that? Yeah. Remember that that's the tension. <laughs> yeah. The tension is not, Oh, you know, um, people want to know why you're doing everything that everybody is doing because mm-hmm. That's not distinct. Yeah,
2: that's not tension at all. That's right. Like that's
1: there's no tension there. It's (laughs) like and and no one's gonna ask you anything about your faith if you are doing everything that everyone is doing because they're doing it. Mm. However, and this is what Peter is driving at here in his first letter when you do the opposite of what is the expectation of the culture that you live in, whatever Mm -hmm. that cultural context is. You're going to be peculiar. You're you're going to actually be now provoking this question. Right. This question is going to come from onlookers. It's going to. And, and it's like, wait, why, why would you do that? You're suffering and um, you're not repaying evil for evil. This is mm-hmm. something else that is explored in, in this letter that Peter writes. I want to
2: say the onlookers are, are not only <laughs> from the world. <laughs> the onlookers are the Christians. This As is well. very
1: true. This is this and this becomes the the um, the <laughs> element that is needed to provoke other believers, to spur other believers onto these good works. Mm-hmm. Right. To, to live mm-hmm. according to the, the conviction that they say they have. Right. Amen. So, again, the point that I was making before we went to the break was that over and over, Peter is um, he is he is appealing to the fact that we're different, that we are called to live different, that we have crossed over from death to life. We've been born again. Um, in the first chapter of first Peter, um, that's how he starts off. You've been born again to a living hope. Then he goes through and he reminds believers that they're called to be holy, right? Verse 13, therefore preparing your minds for action, hmm, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this is one common thread that is woven throughout this letter. And even again, by the time you get to the apologetics part that we love, you know what I'm saying? We, yeah. we like we, we like that part. That's, you know, because. Anyway, there there is a way that you get to that part. Right. And if I could sum it up, the one word would be distinction. Mm. It is distinction that provokes the question, why? And every Christian living in 21st century America has this opportunity in front of him or her right now to live with distinction. There's something about distinction. Um, it makes you distinct. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> There's... I mean, because everybody can graduate high school. I mean, they can. Everybody can. But, you know, you graduate with distinction.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It makes you distinct. I know I'm so deep and <laughs> profound, but it's a wonderful thing. Right. All right. So in, in chapter one, continuing on verse 22, verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been here it is again, since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So it's almost like Peter does not want us to miss this. I'm talking to born again believers. Mm. I'm I am writing to those who are not of this world. Okay. now. In other words, by the time he starts getting to what he's compelling, okay, living counterculturally, if at that point it doesn't make sense to you you probably have to check your adoption papers.
3: <laughs> Man. You have to make sure your adoption <laughs> is
1: finalized, right? Like, have you really been brought from death to life? Mm. Because if you are born again, this appeal is for you. Yeah. You have to live differently. You have to live with distinction. And then um, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, um, I want to look at verses 9 through 12, and it's a little bit of a chunk here. But I think that if this is like sort of the first the first slice of bread that the sandwich kind of gets built on. And maybe it's not because the first slice really is that you've been born again. Mm -hmm. You're not of this world. Right. Mm -hmm. But look at, look at what Peter says. Verse nine, this is chapter two says, but you are a chosen race, a Royal priesthood, a Holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Man, get a picture of that. And let me just stop here for a second to say, because when you get a picture of that, you understand why your allegiance has to be such that it is.
2: Amen. (laughs) Man, Come on.
1: <laughs> see this. I, I think that people make less of this distinction. On, they make less of this because they don't know what was secured for them. Man. So it's very easy for them to live culturally. Yeah. Like I'm just doing what everybody around me is doing. Right. But when you understand what Jesus Christ has secured mm. for you. Man, you you're not compromising on that. Hmm. You're not giving that up. You know, if you've got an inflated view of yourself and you think you needed Jesus just a little bit. Just you just needed Jesus just a little bit then then you know you can take some things and you can leave others. Yeah, it's not, underst- not understanding
2: of once you were not a people.
1: <laughs> once you were not a people.
2: Yeah.
1: But now, you are God's people. Yeah. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Verse eleven. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against mm. your soul.
3: So Guys, true.
1: this is so rich, man. <laughs> I, You know, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. All of that is so packed. Mm. All of it is so packed. Right. But here is the point that I'm ultimately making. And, And right from there, if you if you continue reading, if you go and you study this book, you study this this letter right from there, that's Peter just launches off into the various institutions. And everything that is the expected thing of the culture, Peter is saying the opposite makes no sense to the human mind. Peter is exalting suffering. The suffering becomes a badge like you look suffer. Well, Peter is saying that's not a shout message. You know what I'm saying? Like you're looking for for good, fruitful words to rhyme with 2020. The year of plenty. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, like nobody does a banner that says I'm going to suffer in 2020. One, it doesn't rhyme <laughs> Two, as our culture doesn't like that. Yeah. We, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to be called out. But basically what <laughs> Peter is saying is that when you do all of these things, when you live differently, then you're going to provoke the question. You're going to provoke the question. Why do you have this hope? What's the reason? Because clearly there's something, you know, that I don't know that causes you to do things that are counterintuitive for most common folk. And this is the place where we have to be ready to jump in and say, well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Okay. now let's get into the stories. Let's look at what's happening in the culture. So um, Friday after the show, I read this article that was on The Christian Post. And this article that was on The Christian Post was about a um, Southern Baptist pastor. And I want to say he's like a bivocational pastor, which, and I'll just jump to the end and just tell you, he has since resigned. Um, The church, you know, that he was affiliated with um, asked him to step down that he, you know, you cannot lead the church. You cannot be entrusted as an overseer of this church, having compromised your integrity and a right understanding of the word of God Mm. by what you did basically is the argument. But here is a story. Um, and this is from the Christian Post. Alabama pastor or Alabama Baptist leaders said they were grieved after learning that a pastor will Dismukes of Pleasant Hill Baptist Church um, in Prattville had offered prayers at an event celebrating the 199th birthday of Nathan Bedford Forrest, a leader in the Confederate Army at and the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Dismooks, who's also a Republican state representative, was subsequently forced to resign from his role as pastor. This pastor is 30 years old. And the way that this came to people's attention was that he posted about his participation in this event on Facebook. Um, and there was a picture of him with the Confederate flags all around him. And um, his invitation for other people to come out was on the initial post, I, I believe where, you know, he said it's going to be good eating and and all of these things. Right. And so, um, of course, there's a there's a a big kind of controversy that that ensues and the church is grieved and and pastors come out and and people in positions of leadership. Um, And when I read this story and without going into too much detail here, when I read this story, I was grieved for the body of Christ, not because this person is a Republican state representative. Right. I know that there are political pundits who would look at this and be like, Oh man, you see the Republicans are taking a hit. Oh man. You see, they always, (laughs) they cannot miss an opportunity to try to make us look like we're just racist and and all of these things. And I'm like, I'm like, no, hold on a second. What grieves me here is that this is a pastor. Mm. So I automatically make, and and maybe this is this is faulty, but I make the assumption that this pastor is steeped in the word of God, that in order to be a teacher, you have to be a student of the word of God. Right. In order to shepherd God's people, you have to be familiar with the word of God. And so clearly attending an event now and listen, and there there have been some questions because I posted this story on my Facebook page and I, I tried to get people to think in terms of I, I used you, Will the Great. Um, like if, you know, as, as you serve as an associate pastor in our local assembly, I tried to get people to understand what it might be like for you to attend a rally that was honoring a cop killer who was busted out of, out of Mm -hmm. prison and fled to Cuba. And, um, and, and, and for some people, she's an icon. Right. And so I was like trying to get people to understand like, and what if you were like flanked by these flags with black fists on them? And you said, no, you just went to pray (laughs) and you just went to honor her activism, Not her rebellion, not her, you know, participation in the murder of a state trooper back in 1973. Like, no, you didn't. You that's you're not participating in that aspect. You just wanted to honor her activism. All right. Like that's 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 what. And so I was trying to think, you know, would people who are of a lighter skin color than you
3: Mm -hmm.
1: feel like they can trust you to (laughs) pastor them? I Can you, so. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I because so. the the right assumption would be, whoa, he has demonstrated a certain affinity mm-hmm. for things that I find antithetical to the scriptures, right? Right, like this is just, you know, and 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 let me just say this, because there are some people who said, well, did you know? That uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest actually came to faith in Christ, that his wife was a faithful Christian, he actually came for faith in, in, came to faith in Christ, uh, worked to denounce his affiliation with the Ku Klux Klan, and worked for civil rights activism and, and tried to I say civil rights, but the rights of black people and, and trying to you know all of these things. Um, yes, I am aware of that, but can I just tell you that I read the invita- invitation um twice and slow. <laughs> The invitation is not a celebration of that. Mm. Okay. The invitation is a celebration. <clears throat> excuse me. Of a former way of life. Mm. Where uh. the people who put together the event saw themselves as the remnant. Of the Confederacy. Mm. So this is not a celebration of what Jesus Christ can do in the human heart. Right. Understand that that's that's praiseworthy. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. That's not what this was. So my question then becomes, man, what is our highest allegiance? Like if somebody asks me, if somebody extends an invitation to me to come and, you know, pray for the black sisters who are ga- gathered for the Black Lives Matter event in my local area, like come will you no. No, because I have renounced any affiliations that would war against the scriptures, that would war against the gospel. I have renounced that. I have put those things off as things that wage war against my flesh. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Like these are these these are the things that are waging war against me. Like I'm not I'm not going to participate in those things now. That's one story. Also, over the weekend, you've got an event. The first NBA player. Our brother, Jonathan Isaac, who, when everybody is taking a knee, I mean, Black Lives Matter is painted on the NBA courts now. Jonathan Isaac is standing up. He's not wearing the BLM shirt, and he's not taking a knee. And then he's asked the question, why? And he's able to give the reason for the hope that lies within him. When when we get back, we're going to hear some of these clips. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. God that I'm
3: after, I just can't serve to masters, and
1: before something happens, I gotta turn it all around, because I know I can't just have my cake and eat it too,
3: cause it's real easy to stay on the fence and still do you. It'd be cool if we could love the Lord
1: and still go do our thing. But see, it doesn't work like that. You gotta be white or black. Man, I think it's so important for people to understand, you know, my distance from Black Lives Matter... Um, and, and everything that surrounds that is not because I'm afraid to talk about justice or because I, I think that civil rights are, you know, uh, irrelevant or anything like that. And it's not because even if people slightly think and, and I'll say people who are on my team, uh, even if people slightly think, oh, yeah, maybe she just, you know, doesn't care an awful lot about black people. You know, maybe <laughs> that's just see, we don't need to focus on that. You're wrong. You're wrong. Right. That all, all of that is 100 percent wrong. No, the reason I distanced myself from this is because five years ago I researched them Mm -hmm. and I wanted to know what they were about. Who are these people? Initially, when I started reading some of the articles, I thought, man, you know, they really are justified in the position that they've taken on Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. Like so. So I have no problems with that position there. Right. Some of the things that they said um, were the same things that we were saying on air. But when I started to drill down and do research on them, I'm like, oh, wait, these they're enemies of the cross. Right. Right. Oh, no, I'm out. I'm out. Right. Why? Because Jesus is of greatest importance to me. Amen. Point blank, period. I don't look. I man, I don't look. <laughs> I don't need I don't need a lot of people to like me at all. I really don't. I don't. I don't. And I suggest that every Christian get comfortable with this same sentiment. You don't need a lot of people to like you. If you've been approved of by Christ, if he has ransomed you, that is it. Mm. That's that's it. That's the prize. That's the goal. Right. To Mm. be found in him. So the positions that we take are not to appease people. That's why sometimes, you know, you you tune in and it's like I'm I'm saying something and you're like, yes, yes, yes. And then you tune in the next day and it's like, oh, see, I knew it. Yeah, there you go. She's a liberal.
0: There you go. Can't trust
1: her. You know, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I'm gonna tell you why. Because what I want to do is I want to live as faithful to the scriptures as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So when you've got Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, stand up, the Lone Ranger, if you will, not wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, not taking a knee, right? And, and incidentally, because it's relevant to the story. He's, as we would describe in our cultural context, black. <laughs> now, can you see why I'm juxtaposing these two stories? <laughs> yeah. Because you've got the white pastor, as we would describe it in our current cultural context, all right, in Alabama, who is willing to give the invocation and, and all of this stuff at, at the, the Nathan Bedford Forest 199th birthday celebration um, for the Viva La Confederacy. <laughs> okay? And then you've got the black 22-year-old who refuses to take a knee and won't even put the shirt on his chest. Mm. And look, he is asked the question why at the press conference. I watched the press conference with Will the Great, and, and we got a clip for you. Now, he's got the mask on, so I hope that everybody can make out what he's saying. If not, you know, we may have to just kind of give like the, you know, the translation. But but basically, two of the questions, I want to say he's asked like eight or nine questions, maybe, uh, maybe too many, maybe six, seven. He's asked several <laughs> questions, okay? Right, right. Only two of the questions have anything to do with basketball. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of them are the reporters trying to find a different way to express their lack of an ability to understand why he wouldn't just take a knee. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you do what everybody else is doing? Isn't this a part of your cultural context? Isn't that that's your heritage? Mm. Listen to where I'm going with this, people. Those are your people. (laughs) why won't you just take a knee you wouldn't even put on the shirt all right listen he gives a response here it is hey um so i have a two-part question for you so you didn't kneel during the anthem but you also didn't wear a black lives matter shirt uh do you believe that black lives matter
0: absolutely i believe that black lives matter um a lot lot went into my decision and and part of it is is, first off. it is it's my thought that, you know, kneeling or wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt um, don't go hand in hand with supporting Black Lives. And so um, I felt like just me personally, um, and what it is that I believe in standing on a stance that um, I do believe that Black Lives Matter, but I, I just felt like it was a decision that I had to make. And, and I, I didn't um, you know, feel like putting putting that shirt on and, and kneeling uh, went hand in hand with um, supporting black lives or that it, it, it made me support black lives or not. I believe that uh, for myself, my, my, my life has been supported uh, through the gospel. Of Jesus Christ and, and that everyone is made in the image of God and that we all foreshadow God's glory. And that uh, you know, each and every one of us, each and every day do things that we shouldn't do. We say things that we shouldn't say. Uh, we hate and we, we dislike people that we shouldn't hate and dislike. Um, and, and sometimes it gets into a point where we point fingers about whose evil is worse. And, and sometimes that comes down to simply whose evil is, is most visible. So um, I felt like I wanted to just take a stand on, I feel like we all make mistakes, but I think that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there's grace for us and that Jesus came and died for our sins. And that if we all will come to an understanding of that and understand that God wants a relationship with us, um, that we can get past, can go, we can get past all the things in our world that are messed up, jacked up. Um, I think when you look around, Racism isn't the only thing that, that, that plagues our society, um, that plagues our nation, that plagues our world. And I feel like, you know, coming together on that message that we want to get past not only racism, but everything that that, that, that that plagues this other society. I feel like the answer to it is, is the gospel.
1: My life has <laughs> been supported by the gospel. <laughs> I don't believe that putting on a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, taking a knee is the only way to show my support or my care for black lives. I see this as only a, a, an opportunity that some people are taking to try to see who's wrong is worse. <laughs> who's, who's wrong is seen most, right? And then he goes into, the Bible tells us that we all fall, fall short of God's glory. Guys, this is, this is, look, this is, I don't know how many sports analogies I can use that I'm qualified <laughs> to use, but this is out of the park. This is a slam dunk. This is this is in the paint. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. This is not. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Help me. This is a touchdown. This is tag. You're it. I got him. This is dodgeball. You hit me. I don't know. I'm just. I'm trying so hard. It's bad. I got to stick with what I know. Um, But listen, listen, people. When we do the things that go against the expectation of the culture the door is open for the gospel Mm -hmm. It's very clear. It's very plain to me that in God's wisdom, he calls us to live with a certain level of peculiarity that people look at that. And they're like, Whoa, wait, why, why, why now we, we've joked about this. We've talked about the political, you know, implications of, you know, trying to get, um, trying to get, uh, vice president Pence, to say just say just say it. Just say it. Just say it, right? <laughs> say black lives matter. You know what I mean? It's like that's that's what that's what they, you know. And 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 you see the resistance there, and you understand that from a political perspective. That's that is a discussion in a different basket, mm. right? But notice, notice that Jonathan Isaac made the discussion not political. He didn't make it a question of patriotism, he made it a question of Christian conviction. Mm. Notice that 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 is what makes that a slam dunk. That is what makes that sort of the drive. You understand what I'm saying? Because it takes it out of the realm of all of the temporal resistance Mm. and it makes it spiritual and it makes it eternal. That is what we endeavor to do every single day on this show. It is not about where the culture is standing and we just want to take the opposite position. (laughs) The question is, is. Am where or is where I am standing now. Does this bring the conversation back to what is eternal? Am I doing what Jesus Christ has called me to do? Not because it's culturally comfortable. And and when I say that, please understand what I mean is this. Not that if I stand against black lives matter, I gain Republican friends or I gain conservative friends because those are cultures. The question is, am I standing on the side of Jesus Christ and living so faithfully that I provoke the question? Wait, wait, why? Di- why did you do that? Mm. Why did you Amen. do? And the opportunity is not to speak to conservatism. Come on. It's not to speak to my patriotism. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. Mm. But there's something about that name. It's about Christ. It's about us saying, no, look, Jesus Christ has died to be made much of. Amen. So any organization that sets itself up to be the antithesis of what we believe, of what we have subscribed to, and they're bold enough to proclaim it. like this is, this is not even, I, it's like the Hebrew boys. I don't even need, I don't need to go step aside and talk about this. Right. Well, should we, should we go with them? I mean, because they're black will and we're black and like, you know, on, and, they're you know, I mean, I don't know will because then all the culture is going to say we hate ourselves. You were so tired of being called uncle Tom's. No, <laughs> I don't need to do this. Listen, oh King, however you might be represented in the culture. We have no need to go and talk about this. amen. We're not bowing before your statue. Why? Because we've been purchased by Christ. We've been ransomed by the Lord Jesus Christ. He bought the rights to my life. You understand that? He has full claim and full access to it. Like it's, you know, some <laughs> people say, I gave my life to Christ. Well, that's neat and that's wonderful. <laughs> but please also know that you're able to do that because he first purchased it. Come on. Like it, I mean, you. I mean that's that's wonderful. It's a great present. I'm giving my <laughs> life to Christ. Jesus bought you, friend, with his imperishable precious blood. He has purchased the right to have claim over you that he, that he would be your lord. Right? That he would be your lord, that he would be your master. Mm. That at the end of the day, you're not so much concerned about what other people say about you, but the one who is the mediator between you and God. What is he saying? (laughs) What is he saying? You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, it it makes no sense to explore the questions where people are like, well, I don't know what my family is going to think if I say this. It's like you got bigger fish. You understand (laughs) what I'm saying? You got you got bigger problems. You got bigger problems. What is the mediator? What is the God man saying about you? What what does the God man say about you? I mean, you know, woe to us who fall into the category. You deny me before men. I deny you before the father. No, we don't like that. Skip that passage. (laughs) Don't. I don't want I don't want that. So now you compare these the tale of these two stories here, The, the tale of these two stories. You've got one pastor who stands up flanked by Confederacy everything. Speaking to the, the former glory of the South and all that it entails. Miss me, please people. Don't I'm not I'm not into cover up and I'm not into semantics and I'm not into perspectivism. Because if I was into perspectivism, then I try to find a glimmer, I try to find the light in the Black Lives Matter movement and associate myself with that. I wanna I forget about everything else. <laughs> I just I'll pick the part that makes me comfortable to be affiliated with it because I love it. Cause I love blackness. You see how that doesn't work? It doesn't work. I love Christ. Amen. And so, if there is anything that brings the gospel into disrepute, if there is anything that causes the name of Christ to be maligned, it is that that I'm going to separate myself from, and I'm prepared to give a robust apologetic as to why. And that is what Jonathan Isaac did. Mm. Now, let me tell you something. I am well aware of the torn ACL. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm well aware of the fact that he was already injured. And in fact, there was some speculation that maybe he didn't take a knee because he was injured and all this stuff. And so, you know, but can I just tell you something? Peter also lays out in this letter that we've got to be prepared to suffer, Mm -hmm. right? Now, wouldn't it be great if like Perpetua and her servant, Felicitas, like wouldn't it be great if when they entered the arena, the dogs just like the animals, the beasts just just didn't eat them, (laughs) Right? Because we can, we can look back at Daniel, we can say, man, Daniel went into the lion's den and they became my pillows for the best night's sleep in the whole <laughs> wide world. It was like, man, it was a roaring good time. <laughs> like, whoa, and he came out of that, right? And so if we make that the sole description that the Lord is with us, then we might miss other people, right? That, man, it didn't, it, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. So now I'm going to say this. Our brother Jonathan Isaac has an additional opportunity to say, like Mercy Me said, and even if you don't. Mm. And even and even if you don't. Right. Because we have these expectations of God. It's a part of our American construct that God is good to us because we're Americans. (laughs) He you know, he set us up to be comfortable. So I'm going to take a stand for him. And yeah, I might get pushed back on. But Lord, don't tear my ACL don't come on now lord i mean really like really come on but guess what and at the next game i'm not taking a knee and at the next game i'm not putting a shirt on and let the wicked rejoice let them gather around like wild dogs Hmm. salivating their chops but the body of christ must be praying and interceding why because we need our brother to continue holding the line amen Continue holding the line because even this suffering has a defense, an apologetic attached to it. That's
2: right. That's
1: right. (gasps) He's the God of when you're playing and the God of when you're not. (laughs) All right. We're out of time. Until tomorrow. Lord willing.
2: God bless.